from the EPR Creation Studio. This is the Unconquered Podcast, bringing you the NC State preview. And as always, this show brought to you by EPR Creations. If you have any need of any internet marketing or a new website, any of that sort of thing, give them a call. They're the best in the business. Also, go over and sign the petition at showthesafeties.com if you haven't already done it. We want to see the whole football game, and there's been some really egregious examples of not seeing the whole football game so far this year. It's inexcusable. Sign the petition. If you haven't gone over to uh, the Unconquered shop and picked up a sticker, go ahead and do that. Help support the podcast. And also, thanks to Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and the best garage remodeling company in South Florida. Thanks, all, as always, to those folks for all of their support. Let's go ahead and get to it. This is going to be a short one because there's, well, a combination of fatigue, being tired of covering what is kind of a ridiculous season and all sorts of different things. But uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting game for several reasons for Florida State. For one, uh, the expectation is that Purdy will be the starter with Jordan Travis most likely still out. Uh, they haven't talked about this openly, but pretty sure he's been in the concussion protocol and uh, doesn't look like he's going to be cleared to play in this game. And so we're going to get a, a, a real look at what things look like if they're able to plan for Brock Purdy to be the guy all week, give us a sense of what what the kids got in terms of what he's going to be able to bring to the table for the future. Uh, if last week was any indication, I I felt like he was still a ways away from really being ready. Uh, he's He's got some good physical tools. It's going to be interesting to see how those translate to a full a full game situation where they can scheme for what he does best. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see how this goes. As far as all as far as NC State's defense, NC State has. They've got some. They've got some good players on the front end, particularly McNeil, who is uh, their their defensive tackle, their nose tackles, their best defensive player. They've got a couple good linebackers as well. They've they've been able to get some pressure on the quarterback with those guys, and and they run a three man three man front as their default, and then bring pressure from all sorts of different places. Uh, their their top linebacker is a kid actually I coached against here in the uh, in the research triangle a couple of years ago. I don't think he's going to play in this game, so so we'll see we'll see how that goes. But either way, the uh, they've got several good backers that can that can get that can put pressure on the quarterback and also are good in the running game. But they've been they've given up a lot of points on the season. I mean, you look at their overall overall year and gave up forty four to Miami last week, forty eight to North Carolina a couple weeks ago, thirty one or I'm sorry, twenty to Duke. They actually won that game. 20 to Duke, 21 to Virginia, 29 to Pittsburgh, 45 at Virginia Tech, and 42 to Wake Forest. So they've given up some points this year, mostly due to some issues on the back end and also teams that have been able to block them on the interior. The teams that have been able to block McNeil on the interior in particular have been able to run the football on them. So if you look at that Miami game, for for instance, uh, if you look at the numbers there, Miami was able to run for 189 yards on 4.61 yards per carry. North Carolina averaged almost six yards a carry, 5.93 yards per carry on 326 rushing yards in that game. Uh, they, they've, they've had 
when they've gotten beat defensively, it's because the the teams that they've played have been able to run the football on them. And and Virginia Tech seven point six yards per carry against them. And actually, if you look at what Virginia Tech does in the running game, they're the most similar team to what Florida State has been doing in in the running game. But it's not clear that they're going to be able to do the same things or that their plan is going to be the same with Chubba Purdy at quarterback. I mean, he he runs well. He's, he's fast in a straight line, but he's nowhere near the runner that, uh, that Travis is. Travis brings a lot to the table as a runner, very dynamic player. Purdy much less so, more of a, more of a, a thrower who can run than a runner at the, at the quarterback position. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But in any case, Virginia Tech schematically has been doing a lot of the same things that Florida State's been doing in terms of the running game. And they ran for 314 yards on 7.66 yards per carry in that game. So that'll be that'll be the place where if Florida State's going to have success in this game, it's going to be because they're able to run the football. And that sets everything else up. That makes that makes things so much easier on the offense uh, for, for the rest of the way when you've got a freshman quarterback. Now, all of these things kind of go together because, you know, you look at North Carolina, Miami, Virginia Tech, those teams all averaged, what, 8.7, 10.3, and 10.6 yards per uh, per pass attempt in those games. So they were able to throw the football once they got the running game going. And, you know, that was that. Was that. So I do think that Florida State's going to have a chance in terms of the running game to to get some things going in this game. And and I think there's some opportunities. I'm not really sold on on North on NC State's secondary as really a, a scary bunch. So there's going to be some opportunities for Florida State to score some points in this game if they can execute it all on offense. The problem is that with Love Taylor out at the at the tackle position, they're just not nearly as good on the offensive line as they are with him on the field. I mean, they've lost their best guy up front. Maurice Smith is going to have to play well at the, at the center position. He's been a little up and down in the last couple of weeks for them to, to have success. So, you know, I, I, I think there's a chance that they could be, that they could be good, but there's so many unknowns with Purdy at quarterback and with uh, all of the, the changes this week in terms of who's leaving and who's, sticking around and all of that. You just don't know where this team is psychologically. I don't think actually it's going to hurt them to have somebody like Terry out of the, out of the locker room uh, and out of the, out of the receiver segment. Uh, as I mentioned on the last podcast, he's not exactly the guy that you want, uh, you know, sticking around to influence and coach up the, the young guys if he's not going to play. And you're kind of grateful that he decided to, uh, to just walk away in that respect. So, It'll be interesting to see where they're at in terms of buy-in and in terms of effort level and all of that. I think if Purdy does come out and play reasonably well, that could be a real shot in the arm and it'd be interesting to see where they go from there. But like I said, I I think that first, the the first exposure that we've seen of him is a situation where he just, he, he's still just an absolute infant when it comes to this offense. He doesn't understand everything well enough just yet. He hasn't repped it. You're looking at a guy that's not even had two months really repping stuff in this offense, and you get better by reps. And, you know, this is something that, you know, I, I've seen, I've, I've gotten some questions. I've seen some stuff on, on social media where, got, where people are basically like, what's the point of the rest of the season? I mean, just, just call it. 
No, 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 no. Guys, when you're, when you're not very good, when you're trying to rebuild culture, when you're trying to do all that, every rep counts. And this is where having a chance to have those young guys get reps at this stage with, without a whole lot of pressure, honestly, that's going to matter a lot. And, and somebody like Purdy needs every practice rep possible. He needs some, he needs some game reps. Now you hope not to ruin him by getting him in the game too much too early, but right now you don't have much choice. But you want to put him in as good a, as good a positions as possible. But you only get better by repping by by repping stuff by constant repetition. You you can you can draw stuff on the chalkboard all you want. You can do all sorts of different things, but you can't get better until you've consistently repeated the correct assignments with the correct technique over and over and over and over and over again until you've done your job the right way every time over and over and over again. And you know, you have to you have to practice you have to practice doing it right and rep doing it right so many times that you can't do it wrong. There's this whole thing of practice makes perfect. That's not true. Perfect practice makes perfect. Practice makes permanent. And perfect practice makes perfect permanent. And you know, practice it until you can do it right until you until you can get it right. Until you get it right. No, 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 no. You don't practice until you get it right. You practice until you can't do it wrong. And that's the difference between successful programs and successful teams and, and ones that are not. You have to absolutely you have to get the maximum out of all those reps. And it takes dozens, thousands of reps tens of thousands of reps in certain in certain things to be able to make things second nature to where you're no longer thinking about it and you're just able to do the thing the right way the first time and every time. And when you've got young guys, they don't know how to do that. I mean, you think about this. I mean, most of you, most of you out there played some sport. And, you know, if you played basketball, how much of every, how, how much, how much does, how many reps does it take to be able to become a good shooter in basketball? You can't like you can't study your way to being a, a good shooter. You have to go out and you have to shoot over and over and over and over again. And you have to do it with good form. You have to do it the right way until the form is ingrained. And if you make any changes, if you if you're like, ah, oh, you know, this is not, you know, maybe I need to get the ball position up a little bit or get my elbow under it a little bit better, you know, get get my balance a little better. As soon as you start doing that stuff, it takes thousands of reps day after day after day to shoot, to become a good, a good shooter. You know, you get the best shooters in the world. They're going to shoot, you know, a thousand makes a day, that kind of thing, because you just have to do it over and over and over again. Think about baseball. Those of you who play baseball, every baseball practice, think about how baseball practice is. You don't just go out there and play like a baseball game. It's rep after rep of fielding the foot, fielding the baseball the correct way. Get your get your butt down, get your glove down, you know, transfer the, the ball to the glove, make an accurate throw over and over again. Just you see guys just dropping ground ball after ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. And why? Because you have to rep it so many times to, to where that becomes second nature. Or you have to throw so many way, so many so many balls to make sure that the the ball breaks at the right spot. If you're a pitcher, the, that the ball breaks in the right right place in the right way at the right velocity and your locations. You have to rep this stuff. If you're a golfer, you know this as well as anybody. There's no moving parts. You know you're not hitting a moving ball, at least legally. 
you know, you're not having to, you're not having to adjust to, you know, all the, all the things that your opponent can do. I mean, the only thing you're having to deal with is different terrain and wind and some of those things. But in terms of the actual swing, I mean, it's, it's the swing, but man, you have to, you have, you can't get better playing golf just by studying and just doing some stuff. You have to, you have to spend hours on the range. You have to make sure that your swing gets reliable so that you can do stuff without thinking about it. As soon as you've got a bunch of swing thoughts in your head, it, you're going you're, you're gonna to have problems. You got to be able to stand over that ball and just swing. And you can't do that until you've spent hours on the range. That's what these guys are doing right now. That's what they're having to, that's what they're having to do. That's where this gets interesting for the rest of the year. It's not going to be fun to watch. Because, I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to need to be corrected constantly. But they're going to be working toward getting some of these things fixed and getting some of these guys the reps that they need. So that's where, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with some of these younger receivers. I'm interested to see who's bought in, who's going who's gonna to develop over the next few weeks. And that's something I think we're going to see right away in terms of, you know, what, what, is, what is Purdy going to be able to look like with, some, with more reps? What's the potential there? So that's, that's what I'm looking at on the offensive side. And, you know, will they be able to run the football the way that, that basically the teams that have had success against NC State, and that's a lot of teams, by the way, have been able to run the football on them. I mean, NC State, in, you know, in their run defense, they have, they've really only shut one, two teams down in, in the running game. Only two. And I, don't, I wouldn't even call that getting shut down. They, they gave up. 2.49 yards per per carry against Pitts uh, against Pittsburgh and uh 2.83 yards per carry against Virginia. Everybody else has gone well over 100 yards and for the most part has had more success has has put up some points. So, you know, the fact that they beat Pitt and that they were only a 3-point loss to uh, only lost by 3 to Miami is uh is suggestive that, you know, if you go transit a property that's not exactly ideal that's not you're, you're not real excited about that but they did get pounded by the same north carolina team that that florida state did beat so what to expect on that side good question now on the flip side it's bailey hockman again and they're not the same team with hockman at quarterback he he doesn't give a whole lot of dynamic uh, of a dynamic run presence and as a thrower he's been he's been streaky it's i think that's the fair way to put it had a good game against miami but he's been streaky. When you look at at what they've done uh, on the year, I mean he he struggled badly against North Carolina. Was average at best against Duke. You know he he's 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 been okay. They don't have receivers that really terrify you. They got one one guy, Amika Mezzi, who is you know bigger uh, bigger receiver, about six three two twenty. He's the guy you got to really worry about as, as, as their receivers. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they've got a bunch of big guys. I mean, Devin Carter, they're, they're, they're sophomore, 6'4", 216. They're big. And they do have a tight end. Kerry uh, Angeline is the guy that you really have to worry about, I think, in this game because of the matchup against Florida State's linebackers. But Angeline is the, is, you know, he's, he's the guy that, that I think are, are, you're most concerned about. But they don't have guys that are just going to run by you a bunch in the, in the passing game. They're going to try to out physical you. They're going to they're going to try to beat you up on the outside. They they've got the ability to go up and 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 get the ball on on vertical routes, but they don't have anybody that terrifies you that can run by you in the way that say Louisville did, 
So curious to see how they do with that. And again, Hawkman, not exactly the trigger guy that you're going to expect stellar play out of. Question is, can they get to him enough to really rattle him? Because when he's had his most success has been when he's not faced a whole lot of pressure. His his grade under pressure, I, I haven't seen it this week, but uh, going into the Miami game, I believe his uh, pro football focus stats had his uh, had his quarterback rating at 37 when pressured. So if I'm Florida State, I'm doing everything I can to make sure I get pressure on him. Run, running the football, uh, Ricky Person, another guy that I actually coached against up here, pretty good running back, uh, big back. He's back in this game, first time that that, uh, that he'll have been back in a couple weeks. But uh, you know, I think I think they're okay there. Zonovan Zonovan uh, Knight, he's another good player, but you know, they're not spectacular. This is not North Carolina's backfield, for example. Good backs. Probably will have success against Florida State's front, but not guys that are going to be dominant across the board, but good players. So, you know, when you look at their offense, you say, you know, there's good pieces here and there. They've got, they're they're pretty good on the offensive line, enough that you go, "Eh, you know, they can probably find plenty of room against Florida State as long as Hockman doesn't have have trouble. So you got to get pressure on him. And to me, I load up against the run a little bit on early downs and try really and try to get a lot of pressure on Hockman when I can. I think that's the that's the proper uh, approach schematically in this one. Bring extra pressure against Hockman and force them to beat you one on one down the field. Force him to make the throws. Can't let them run the football and and set up play action situations where Hockman can be comfortable without without pressure. That that's that's the key in this game for me on the on that side. So when it all comes down to it, when I'm thinking about how I'm projecting this game, I can't pick Florida State to win any game right now. Not until not until they've showed me that they can first of all win without Jordan Travis, and second of all that they can win that they can play a clean game on either on, on either side of the ball for very long. So right now, I'm going to go with Florida State loses this game uh, to to NC State. 34 to 24. I'm not uh I'm not real confident about that. I'd say Florida State has about a 40-45% chance of winning this game. But at this point, I think that's that's probably where I come in. I think uh it's going to be really I I'm I'm very curious to see how Purdy looks in this game. I'm curious to see whether some of the younger guys on the on the defensive front are able to put in the kind of effort to to close down some of those running lanes against against NC State's offense. And if they're able to do those things, get a good performance out of Purdy, get a good performance out of your defensive front, and limit the limit the NC State running game, and all of a sudden that game turns. But I just I just think this is going to be one of those you know thirty four twenty four or thirty seven twenty seven type games where Florida State just continues to to show that they they they're they're not they're not there as a program yet, and they've got a long way to go. That's that's where I'm going to wrap it. Not a whole lot more to say. Not going to belabor the point. We'll go ahead and wrap it there. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast Shop, which features stickers, magnets, and other Seminole gear. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend.
Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. Special thanks to those above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi, as well as Jonathan Kennedy and Tyler Kashishki. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.